As has already been mentioned a couple of times, this is National Women's Ministries Day. And our church has participated that in that through the years. It's almost always the last, I think it always is, the last Sunday of February. You know, we have another day in the year we recognize and admire and express appreciation to women. That's Mother's Day. That usually has to do with personal relationship. Our mothers in particular, but our wives and our grandmothers and our daughters and granddaughters and sisters. And, and we'll celebrate that in May. But National Women's Ministries Day is designated specifically to focus on ministry to women and ministry by women. And so, first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone who is involved in ministry to women, which includes all the women because they minister to each other. We're so thankful for our Women's Ministries Director, Cheryl Parker. And Lisa Pusey, who helps out and works with the younger women, with women of character. And there are other women that are involved, but I can't list all their names. But especially Cheryl and Lisa, thank you so much for your leadership over our women's ministries. But as I said, it's not just ministry to women, but it's ministry by women. There's such a great history of God using women all through the Bible from the very beginning. You see, one of the greatest judges was Deborah. And you and you see the prophetess Miriam, Moses' sister. And you see other opportunities, other prophets, prophetesses that are sprinkled here and there. You don't see a lot because it was a very male-dominated culture. But God used women in the Old Testament. And he used women in the New Testament. And we often focus on the 12 disciples, those key ones. But there were more than 12 And the Bible makes it clear that many of those disciples were women followers of Jesus. And then we see women involved in so many different roles in the New Testament church. In almost every single letter Paul wrote, he makes mention of at least one, maybe sometimes several women who have had an impact on his life and with him on the kingdom of God. In fact, if you look at the letter he wrote to Romans... The 16th chapter, as he's wrapping it up, he lists more than any other letter a bunch of people he wants them to give greetings to because these people have been significantly impactful in the kingdom of God. And of all the names that are listed, two-thirds of them are women because women had a powerful impact and still continue to have a powerful impact in the kingdom of God. The Assemblies of God is a organization, a denomination, has always recognize that. And so we're so thankful for the women in our lives and in our church and in our movement who not only minister to each other and are ministered to, but also minister to all of us. It's a great privilege today to have Pastor Jan come and share with us. Pastor Jan is my wife, of course, and she's also an ordained Assemblies of God minister. And I know I share this stuff a lot, and so you've heard it, but there we have some newer people that are here uh, together, we have been involved in a lot of different types of ministries, but um, she has been involved in primary ministry to children and to youth and to um, women and all kinds of stuff. She's never felt a strong calling to primary focus just on men except for me, and I'm glad for that. But I just want to throw this out there that as you pray for us and as you pray for my wife that you would pray specifically for the various areas of ministry she's involved with. Many of you know because she just shared a couple weeks ago. She was on a missions trip. She goes on those from time to time. It is a calling and a burden she has. But also, some do not know, she has a ministry to pastor's wives, especially pastor's wives, an area where they are hurting. And God is using her. That's on the Internet. It's through phone calls. It's through Facebook. It's through YouTube. It's through a lot of different venues. And so as you pray for her, Pray specifically for that ministry because God is really using that and God wants to continue to use that. So it's so good to have Pastor Jan minister to us today. As I always say, she loves people and she loves God. And I know she's got a word for the Lord from us. Thank you, baby. Pastor babe. As always, it's a great privilege, a great pleasure to bring the word of God to you. Before I get started, I just want to remind you ladies If you've not signed up for the Stronger Conference, there's pamphlets out on the table in the lobby. This is a powerful conference for ladies in leadership, any kind of leadership, whether it's on the job, in the church, even in your home. What an amazing opportunity to grow. There's all kinds of speakers. And if you look inside, you might just notice a little redhead that's going to be one of the breakout session speakers this year. I don't know who that is. 
But I would love to have some of you ladies go. I know Vita and Cheryl's going. And I would love for a couple more of you. Well, I'd love for all of y'all to go. But if there's a couple of more of you that are interested in going, please talk with Cheryl Parker or myself. And we need to know ASAP because you've got to get registered. So I just wanted to mention that. Father God, I just want to step back in the name of Jesus and ask you, Holy Spirit of God, to step in and speak through me, Father. May every word I say come from your throne room. May I represent this message from a spirit of love from your heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Today, our national theme for Women's Ministries Day is Captivated. And babe, I forgot my glasses. Can you get them out of my purse in the little brown case? Good luck finding that. Oh, he found it. Thank you, thank you. He said he was led by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) My purse isn't that big. Has any one of you ever been captivated by love? Thank you, Pat. Yes, yes. Raise your hand high if you've ever been captivated by love. Absolutely we have. About 42 and a half years ago, there was this handsome young man that captivated my heart. In case you're wondering who that might be, I'll have him put a picture up on the screen. Is it up there? No. There it is. That is a month before we got married. That's when Pastor Tim had that curly, dark hair. We were the original Ricky and Lucy. (laughs) So according to Webster's Dictionary, captivate means to influence and dominate by some special charm, art, or trait with an irresistible appeal. To say that Tim McIntyre captivated my heart 42 and a half years ago is an understatement. He captivated my heart because he was always so loving and more concerned about me than he was himself. And then we got married. And he still has captivated my heart. This man, I say it almost every time I speak, but I want you to understand who you see up here on Sunday mornings preaching the word of God is who I live with on Mondays through Saturdays. And I'm so grateful for that. Is he perfect? No. Can I tell you an unperfect story? You want to hear an unperfect story about your pastor? He's going, no. So when we were dating... Anything I wanted that he could afford, which was usually a Frosty and French fries, and we shared those because we were poor Bible college students. But he would share, and if I drank most, if we got a Coke, if I drank most of it, that's okay, honey. Whatever you want. You can have it all. Well, then we got married. Well, I do not like root beer. That is like the nastiest drink that's ever existed, in my opinion. Thank you, Claudine. She's with me. Anybody else are not root beer fans? Okay. So, after we'd been married a little while, the few times that we would get to go out to eat, which were rare and a special treat, guess what he would order to drink? Root beer. Why? Because there was not free refills then. And he knew if he ordered root beer, he would get to drink the entire drink because I would not ask to have some of his root beer. (laughs) I just wanted you to know he is amazing. He is a powerful man of God. He's loving. He adores me, but he's human too. I don't blame him because I have a drinking problem. I don't mean alcohol. But if I'm eating, I know I need to, I'm I'm learning to be more like the Caribbean people, which is most of y'all. I'm learning to not drink so much while I eat. I'm learning to eat and maybe sip a little water as I drink. But sometimes when we go to Sunny's, my husband will order a Coke. I always, 99 and three quarters percent of the time I order water. But if he orders a Coke... I know I can have a couple sips of his Coke because there is nothing like a fountain soda Coke. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all going, yes. Y'all are like, this is the most spiritual thing I've ever heard. (laughs) But I am so grateful 
that this man captivated my heart. That he loves me, he cherishes me, and I love him, and I cherish him so much. So what is love? Love is a strong affection for another arising out of relationship or personal ties. Love is unselfish, sharing your Coke. Loyal, benevolent, in other words, having a desire to do good to the other person. So what does the Bible say about love? 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I have away, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but not have love, I gain nothing. What this is saying is we can have faith to move mountains. We can know the word of God. We can even be prayer warriors. But if we do not act in love, we have nothing. How we treat people is so crucial. How we treat our spouses. Do not elbow your spouse right now. Not a good time. That would not be loving. I want to ask you a really important question. Will people want to know Jesus by watching your life or by watching mine? Or will we be a deterrent? Will they be like, "Mm, if that's what Jesus people are like, I don't want none of that. You know, I've heard many stories of church hurts. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But if I ask you, have you ever been hurt by somebody in church? Maybe a pastor, maybe an elder, maybe by somebody that greeted you when you walked in the door. Probably most of us could raise our hands. We've all had church hurts. I think I've told y'all before. One day, or it was on a Wednesday night. Not this church because y'all would never do this to me. (laughs) But I got out of my car and as I'm walking up to the church, a lady at the door greeted me. You look like you just lost your best friend. Can I just tell y'all that is not a way to greet somebody? That is not loving. And you know what I said to her? I prayed because I wanted to say, yeah, I did today. And that was the truth. But God gave me grace. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit that can zip that lip, that attitude. And I just looked at her and I said, I did today. And I walked on in the church. I had lost my best friend that day. Can I just stop here for just a second? I just want to encourage each of us. When people walk in the doors of the church, we don't know what they're going through. We don't know what the doctor's report might have been that week. We don't know what that spouse may have said to them before they walked out of the door. We don't know what that child may have said. We don't know if they just lost their job. We don't know. We need to be loving. I don't care if somebody comes in here, looks like they're ready to choke you. That does not give us as believers the right to be rude back. As Christians, we need to be loving. And I'm grateful. We are a loving church, but we have room for improvement. I'm the mother of the church. So can I just play mama for a few minutes? Thank you, the two of you. The rest of you, you can just tolerate it. I just want to encourage you. When somebody comes to church and they've not been here in a while, it is not loving to say, where have you been? Oh, I can't believe the walls are going to fall down. Look who walked in the door. You know what that makes that person want to do? Run out and never come back. When someone walks in the door and they're not dressed like you, it is not your place to correct how they're dressed. Because God wants you to come just as you are. He wants you to come as you are. 
And if you like to dress in your Sunday best in a suit and tie and a dress, praise God, do it. That's great. But if you want to come in your blue jeans and your t-shirt, do it. It's more important that we care about people's souls. We care about winning them to Jesus. than we become a deterrent to the kingdom of God. God wants us to love people more than we care about the rules and the regulations. I remember years ago, I was a youth pastor in Memphis, Tennessee. And we had a lot more young men in our youth group. We had about 50 kids in the youth group. And we probably had about at least 35 that were young men. And this girl walks in the door in a bikini. I'm not kidding. The youth service in a bikini. And she was gorgeous. And I thought, dear God, what am I going to do? I had a choice to make. Honey, don't you know you're in the house of God? You better go home and change. Do you think she would have ever come back? No. Do you think she would have listened to my message that night if I'd have said, uh, excuse me? I, I can't believe you came like this. And I had to pray for wisdom. And I said, God, in the name of Jesus, I don't want to offend this child because I want her to come to know you. And I said, sweetheart, you are just the cutest thing. I'm going to be speaking in just a little bit. And, you know, we got a lot of guys here and they're going to be looking at you. They're not going to listen to a word I say. Could I loan you a T-shirt to just throw over your swimsuit so they'll pay attention to me? She said, oh, of course, sure. So what I'm saying is there's ways of treating people in a loving way. We don't need to be rude and snarky. I don't care what your culture upbringing was. We all had culture upbringing that was great and we had culture upbringing that wasn't so great. Do you know what I'm saying? We need to be loving. We need to be caring. We need to be kind. Whoever walks in the doors of this church, I want them to feel like you and Dan and Jennifer. I want them to feel like you have felt the love and acceptance because you know what? God calls us to be fishers of men and women. But he cleans the fish. You know what I'm saying? He'll clean them up. He'll show them. And as they're discipled, they'll learn. If they're coming to church, you know, with everything hanging out, God will help them to learn, you know, that that's probably not the best way to dress as a woman of God or as a young woman of God. But if you go saying, oh, girl, look at you dressed like that. I'm telling you, you will deter them from the kingdom of God. They may walk out of the door and never come back to church. Church hurts are very real. And I'm so tired of hearing, boy, Christians are the only ones that shoot their wounded. We need to be the difference. We need to be those that our love is so powerful, that it is contagious, that people want to know Jesus because they see a loving, non-judgmental woman and man of God that says, come just as you are. We love you. We want you here. Because they're going to hear the word of God. They're going to grow. They're going to learn. But we can't give them, and don't give them those looks. Can I tell you about a story about this man? He was a hippie. He walked into a church and it was full. And this church was a highfalutin church where everybody was dressed to their best. And there's nothing wrong. with I'm not against dressing to your best. Please don't misunderstand and get mad at me because you think I think you shouldn't dress nice. I'm great however you come. But they were all dressed to their best. And this man... Long, stringy hair, T-shirt and jeans and barefoot. Couldn't find a place to sit. So he walks down to the front in the center aisle to the front row and just sits down on the floor. You could hear the rumbles. Who does he think he is? Doesn't he know you don't come to the house of God like that? Can you imagine how this man must have felt? Because he could probably, people can feel unacceptance. Have you ever felt unaccepted? They can feel it. Then one of the elders, one of the older gentlemen that was an elder of the church saw him. He was in the back and he started walking down. And you, you could just imagine everybody's saying, oh, good. Elder John's going to take care of him and let him know this is not proper. And elder 
John, we'll call him, walked all the way down to the young man and everybody's saying he's going to tap him on the shoulder and say, come, you're not dressed appropriately. But you know what he did? He sat down on the floor beside him and took off his shoes. Is that not a powerful picture of the love of Jesus? And if I remember the story correctly, that young man gave his heart to Jesus that day. Because someone was willing to say, let me be Jesus to you. Let me see you where you are and love you and accept you as you are. Because that's who Jesus is. You see, the Pharisees gave Jesus a hard time because Jesus hung out with the people of the world. He reached out and loved the prostitutes, and I do not mean in any immoral way, but he saw them for what they could become. He reached out to Matthew, who was a tax collector, who everybody hated the tax collectors because they cheated everybody, but he reached out to them. He saw what that tax collector could become. And Matthew and so many others in the Bible. Look at Paul. Paul was the one who was preaching against the Christians and he was killing Christians and doing everything against the Christians. But Jesus didn't see him as you murderer. You'll never amount to anything. Jesus saw him for what he could become. And he believed in him. May we grow in our ability to love people the way Jesus loves people. Amen. We are a loving church. And I'm grateful for that. But let's grow even more. Let's be so careful what kind of looks we give to people. What kind of things we say to people because mama Jan says it's not your job or my job to fix people that's the Holy Spirit's job I want to say something to those of us who've had church hurts don't allow the church hurts to keep you from loving Jesus Jesus didn't hurt you somebody stupid did Somebody that said something stupid or did something stupid. Not that people are stupid, but they make unwise decisions. Because I'm going to tell you something. If the devil knows if somebody says something ugly to you or rude to you or gives you that look, if he knows that'll get you out of the church, he will make sure somebody does that. But can I just tell you from this mama's heart, you need to determine this is my church. This is where I belong. And even if somebody says something stupid or acts stupid, I'm going to shake it off like water on a duck's back. And I'm going to say, God bless them. God help them to see they're wrong. And if it hurts your feelings, don't get snarky with them, but just say something back like, you know, that really hurt my heart. That wasn't a very loving thing. And if you can't say it loving, you better just keep your mouth shut. But don't allow church hurts to keep you out of church. Work it out. So let's jump back into 1 Corinthians verse, we're going to verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own in, on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. But these three things, the greatest of these, is love. There's another man that captivated my heart. Jesus. You know, when I was four years old... Never underestimate the power of children's ministry, nursery ministry, which, by the way, we're opening our our nurseries back open, and we're believing God to raise up nursery workers, and we're believing God to bring us in more and more families with precious little ones. When we prepare, they'll come, and that's what we're doing. But 
don't ever underestimate the power of children's ministries. And I was four years old. I heard about Jesus. I mean, I'd heard about him my whole life, but I mean, I really heard that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again so that I could have eternal life. I knew at four years old that I, the wretched sinner that I was, <laughs> you know, probably told a few lies, tattled on my brother or sister, no telling what I had done, but I knew that I needed a savior and I committed my life to Jesus Christ. I remember the spot. He captivated my heart and he still captivates my heart to this day. He loves me no matter what. I cannot tell you my senior year in high school, I walked away from God. Now, young people, don't use me as an excuse to walk away from God. I had a young person tell me one time, I said, baby, what's going on? He said, well, you know, like you, I heard you say you walked away from God. I decided to try that too. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't use me as your excuse to walk away from God because that was a year from hell in my life. That year was the hardest year I've ever been through. Because when you know the love of the Father, you know what it is like to walk in His will and His love, and you walk away from Him, and you're trying to find yourself out in the world. It's not fun. Did I have moments of fun and pleasure? Of course I did. But I had a lot of turmoil on the inside. But you know what? God never forgot about me. He continued to reach out to me. He continued to love me, even though I was making stupid choices, doing sinful things, doing things that I am ashamed of to this day. But God, in his precious love, loved me. And I surrendered my heart back to him. He received me with open arms. He forgave me. I cannot tell you the hardest part for me was forgiving myself. That's for somebody today. Even after Pastor Tim and I got married, it was probably six months into our marriage before I could forgive myself for some things I'd been involved in before him. And finally, after six months of going to the front to pray and saying, God, please forgive me. I did you wrong. I know I didn't please you. Six months of that. God finally got it through my thick head. Anybody have a thick head besides me? (laughs) He got it through my thick head. I forgave you the first time you asked. I put it behind my shoulders. I don't even remember what you're talking about. You need to forgive yourself. Somebody needs to hear that today. God, if you've asked for his forgiveness, he's forgiven you. Forgive yourself. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Don't hold on to that yuck anymore because God's compassion and love is right there for you saying, come on, I've got you. I love you. I have great plans for you. So do not hold on to unforgiveness towards anyone or yourself. Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart, your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. In other words, if we'll get these things right, everything else is going to fall into place. Our love for God is the first commandment. Surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ, loving him, adoring him, Spending time talking with him every day. Don't make prayer difficult. Just talk to God. Tell him how much you love him. Don't use him just, oh God, I need a new car. God, help me pay for my bills. He wants you to pray for what you need. But don't just talk to him about those things. Talk to him. Tell him how much you love him. If all Tim ever said to me is, babe, when are you going to cook lunch? Babe, when are you going to buy me some new shoes? Babe, when are you going to clean the house? Babe, have you done the laundry? And that's all he ever did. 
Do you think I would feel he loved me very much? No. But I so appreciate, babe. You tell me frequently, thank you for all you do for our family. Thank you that you keep a clean home. Not as clean as I used to, but (laughs) find a little dust now that you might not would have found a few years ago. But he's always thanking me and appreciating, showing appreciation. And we need to do that for our spouses, for our children. But we really need to do that for God. God, thank you that you woke me up this morning. And mean that. Don't just say it as words, but mean it. Thank you, God, that I have a nice house to live in. Thank you, God, for my car. Thank you, God, for food. Thank you, Lord, for wisdom. Always let him know how much you love and appreciate him. So God tells us we're to love him and to love others as ourself. Okay, well, I've got to love God and I've got to love others, right? But God wants us to love others as we love ourselves. And this is something somebody here today needs. Somebody online, you need to hear this, that you're watching. You need to learn to love yourself. Give yourself some grace. Quit beating yourself up with your words. Don't raise your hand, but answer yourself. Have you ever told yourself, you stupid idiot? Have you ever told yourself, you can't do anything? You're not smart enough. You're not this. You're not that. Have you ever had those thoughts? I have. I have. But let me ask you a question. If there's somebody you really love and you adore, would you say to them, you stupid idiot, you'll never amount to anything. I hope your answer would be no. And if you wouldn't say that to someone else, why would you say it to yourself? Because you, my friend, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are a son or daughter of the Most High God. You are made in His image. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You need to love yourself. Because when we can't really love ourselves, we can't really love other people. If you're struggling to love yourself, maybe it goes back to that you need to forgive yourself for some of the things that you've done or said in the past. Maybe no one ever said you're a stupid idiot, but maybe you heard your mother saying that to herself. Moms, we think that won't affect our children if we put ourselves down. Maybe we even think that's being humble. It's not. You know, just like secondhand smoke, you may never put a cigarette to your mouth, but if you're constantly around secondhand smoke, it can destroy you. And if our children, our grandchildren, our spouses, our friends are constantly around us and we're saying, oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I can't do anything right. Uh, What is wrong with me? That's going to get on them. And they're going to start thinking it's okay to say that about themselves. Stop the negative self-talk before it destroys you. Stop the negative self-talk before it destroys your child, your spouse, your friend, or somebody else. I'm just being mom today. Is that okay? Love God, love yourself so that you can really love people and reach them for Jesus. Don't you want to be a contagious Christian? Amen. Amen. May we show love to ourselves so that we can really love other people. And I'm not talking about being in love with yourself and it's all about me because we know people like that. And if you know somebody like that in this room, do not elbow them. Do not look at them. Just look at me because I would not be loving if you did that. You know, there are some people that are all about themselves and we need to pray for them and we need to love them and we can't fix them. 
Mama, if you think you can fix your child, (laughs) you're wrong. But one prayer has power to change. But you're nagging to your child, to your spouse, to whoever. You're not going to change them. I've said this before. Let me say it again. If I told you, do not eat ice cream, do not eat ice cream, do not eat ice cream. When you go home today, do not eat ice cream. What are y'all going to want to do? Go home. I'm not she won't tell me nothing. I'm going to eat all the ice cream I want. We think by telling somebody, don't, 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 it's going to make them change. What it's going to do is frustrate them and make them all the more want to show you they can be that person. Or maybe, depending on their personality, maybe they'll run in the closet and eat the ice cream without you knowing it, so to speak. You, my friends, you are more than enough in Jesus Christ. You can do whatever you need to do. False humility says, I'm not good enough. I'm not as smart as fill in the blank. I'm stupid. I can never do anything right. That's false humility. Let it go. Let it go. Don't believe the lies. The devil's out to kill, steal, and destroy you. And if he can do that, he can stop you from being the amazing young man, young woman, man or woman of God that he's called you to be. It'll hinder you from doing all the things that God has called you to do. Sometimes we're our own greatest enemy. And when you're tempted to say those negative self-talk things in your mind or even out loud, stop and replace it with, you know what? No devil, not today. I am who God says I am. I can do whatever I need to do because he is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm a God pleaser. I'm not a people pleaser. Can I tell you my favorite type of movie to watch? Anybody want to guess what my favorite type of movie is? Y'all are like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) My favorite movie is the underdog movies. A true story where the underdog rises to victory. Why do I love those movies? Because somebody saw somebody that was really hurting and they believed in them and they came along beside them and encouraged them and said, you can do it. You've got this. I believe in you. Let me walk beside you. Let me help you. Come on, you're running this race. We'll run it together. I'm with you, my friend. We've got this together. Those are my kind of movies because I love when people believe in people. And that's what God has called us as men and women of God is to believe in other people. To ask God, God, give me eyes to see people the way you see them. I can be very critical. I in in my flesh, I can be judgmental. I'm just being real. And I have to pray frequently. God, give me your eyes, your 2020 vision to see people from a heart of love, not from what were they thinking? (laughs) I don't want to be that person. I want to see people the way God sees them as possibilities. Would you allow me to be that person in your life today? I believe in you. I want to see you rise to the top. I want to see you not limp into the gate of heaven, but I want to see you running in the gates of heaven saying, here I am, Jesus, I made it victoriously because somebody believed in me and told me about Jesus and loved me to Jesus and walked beside me and encouraged me. Would you allow me to be that one for you today? Sweet man, sweet woman. God loves you so much. Maybe you've got church hurts. Maybe somebody said the stupidest, meanest thing in the world to you. I am truly, deeply sorry for that. But don't let it keep you away from a loving Savior. My friend, you are worthy of being loved. Because of what Jesus did for you. 
when we can learn to accept God's grace and recognize that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, we can do whatever he calls us to do. That includes loving ourselves. We must love God and love others as ourselves. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In other words, treat people the way you want to be treated. Mama Jan says, (laughs) if you don't want people saying, oh, girl, you look like you put some weight on. Don't say that to other people. Somebody said that to me one time years ago about my daughter. Oh, my word, look at your daughter. She really it on the pounds. Mama Bear came out. Because I am a mama. And God gave me grace. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I just looked at that lady and I said, sweetheart, please don't say that to my daughter. That will not help her. That will really hurt her. Somebody looks like they've lost a lot of weight and, and, and maybe you think they look unhealthy. Don't say that to them. Be a cheerleader. Don't. If you, my mama always said, if you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. Can we live that? Can we practice that at home? Can we practice that at church? Can we practice that with our neighbors? Can we practice that at Walmart? You know, I'm going to go back to Mama Jan in a minute, okay? I'm blessed to have a lot of daughters and sons in this world. I have two daughters that I've birthed, but I have a lot of young adults that call me Mama Jan. And that's such an honor to me. And I have one of my daughters here today that she's not that much younger than me, but I'm Mama Jan to her. And I'm grateful for that great privilege So let me go back into that role for just a minute. There's been a few times, I hope it's only been a few times, when a guest has come in, a first-time guest, and they sit down, and somebody lovingly walks up and says, you're in my seat. Do you think that person's going to ever come back to church? Not this church. And what if we deterred them from coming to know Christ? My goodness, If you, let me ask you, if you invited us to your home, and some of you have, some of you haven't, if you want to feed us food, we'll come. (laughs) But, oh my word, I remember going to a certain friend's house, and they, anybody that's had us over has been so, so gracious to us. They want us to have, we just had lunch with somebody the other day, and and we said, where would you like us to sit? And this lovely lady said, oh, the pastor sits here. He's the king. Gave him the seat of honor. This lady brought out, I mean, it was a feast. I was like, whoa. We were so blessed by the amazing food, the loving conversation. So when we have people in our home, we want them to feel special, right? We're not going to say, excuse me, that recliner's mine, get out. <laughs> you might want to say that, but you wouldn't because they're your guests, right? He'd be like, oh, yes, here, have the best seat in the house. Pastor, you sit in my recliner, it's comfortable, and I want you to be comfortable. Or John Doe, have, have my seat, it's really comfortable. We want them to feel so blessed and comfortable and loved and accepted in our home. How much more do we need to make sure when people come into the house of God that they feel that love and acceptance? If somebody's in your seat and bless God, you've sat in that seat for 12 years, gladly give it up for them. And if you want to sit in that seat, then you can need to get here at 1015 so nobody gets your seat. If you can't do that, get over your sweet little self. (laughs) I'm jumping all over my notes. I'm not even following them, so. Ah. God help us to be more loving, more concerned about loving people and causing them to be hungry to know you.
We want to make sure that we are not barriers that keep people from coming to Christ. We want to have those open arms that is loving and accepting, knowing that God will clean them up. They'll be discipled. They'll learn. They'll grow because we believe in discipleship. How do we apply this to our lives? First, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you. He wants to captivate your heart. He wants to love you with a love that is beyond your comprehension. That's what I love about Jesus. He loves me on my good days. And he loves me on my bad days. He's always there for me in the middle of the night when I can't sleep. I can call on Jesus. Second, if you have a relationship with Jesus, walk in that amazing love and confidence of who you are in Christ. Be okay with who you are. God created you on purpose for his purpose. Don't play the comparison game. God did not create you to be like Pastor Tim. God did not create you to be like Claudine. God did not create you to be like Nadine. He did not create you to be like Vita. He created you on purpose to be you. Be all that you can be for Jesus Christ. Don't compare yourself no more. Own who you are. Quit worrying about what people think. Be more concerned. God, what do you think? Jesus, am I pleasing you? Because if you're pleasing Jesus, you're going to please a lot of people. But I will be honest, there are going to be people that don't like the Jesus in you. And you got to love them and pray for them. Don't be snarky towards them. Pray for them. Let me bring up one more mama thing. And I talk about this from time to time, but I just feel like I need to remind us. When you go to a restaurant and your server is just not very pleasant, you have the opportunity to turn his or her day around or you have the opportunity to make their day worse. As a man or woman of God, what are you going to do? Pastor Tim and I have been the chaplains for Sonny's Barbecue for, I believe, seven years now. And we've heard story after story from servers, the heartbreak, things they're going through once they learn to trust us. You never know. A server that worked there years ago, she hasn't been there in many years, but but she was always so sweet and so kind to us. But her mother was dying of cancer. Her seven-year-old brother had cancer, and her husband had just walked out on her with a newborn baby and two other children. You do not know what somebody is walking through. We need to get over ourselves and be Jesus with skin on. Love people. Instead of, if, if they're like snarky to you because you don't know they're really hurting Don't be snarky back. Be Jesus. You could say something like, you seem to be having a really rough day. Is there something I could pray for you about? And if they get snarky with that, still stay sweet. It's okay. It's okay. If they say, no, don't pray. We've had had people tell, no, don't pray for me. Well, (laughs) we're going to pray anyway when they walk away. But just be sweet, loving, and kind. Third, This is homework from Mama Jan, okay? Study the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Spend time especially contemplating verses 4 to 7. Love is patient. Are you patient? Am I patient? Worship team, you can come on out. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. Or resentful. 
It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Put these into practice by loving God, loving yourself, and loving others. And by all means, give yourself grace. My daughter said to me this morning, Mom, make sure you're giving yourself grace. Because sometimes we'll be playing a game and I'll miss something and I'll be like, how could I miss that? And my precious daughter goes, Mom, give yourself grace. You know, you got to love it when your kids preach your own sermons to you. (laughs) Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to ask Pastor and our elders, our prayer team to come forward. I don't know what you're walking through today. But in a crowd this size, there are those of you that you're hurting And you need prayer. Maybe it's about a family situation, a relationship situation. Maybe you got a bad report from the doctor. Maybe you need to commit your life to Jesus. If you need that prayer online, please reach out to us and we will pray with you and for you. But in just a moment, we're going to give the opportunity for you to come to prayer, for us to pray a prayer of faith over you. You may need healing in your body. Whatever you need, Jesus says, come just as you are. Hallelujah. There's such a sweet presence here today. When you walk out of here today, you are walking into the mission field. Take Jesus with you. Be his hands, his feet. Wherever you go, in your home, to your husband, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, to that cashier at Walmart, allow Jesus to use you to shine his light to others in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask pastor to close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We thank you for the privilege we have to know you, love you, and serve you, and help you, help us to serve you well. Help us, Lord, as we go into our lives, Lord, we gather on a Sunday morning to be encouraged and challenged and to worship you, to give, to receive. Thank you that all those things have happened today. But Lord, it's to prepare us to be used by you in our world. So use us this week, Lord God. Guide us and lead us and help us to listen to your voice. Help us to grow closer to you, Lord God. Mold us and shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just thank you for what you've done in us and how you want to use us in our world. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Share the love of the Lord with each other as you leave this morning.